0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. So honored to be here. Normally when I come, I bring a picture of my family just to show you because uh, my children are all grown and married and they're kind of like rabbits. Uh, They continue to reproduce. And so so this is a picture of my family. Uh, We have nine uh, grandchildren, as you see there. Uh, Debbie and I had three children, and then and then they, you know, they don't know what causes it is what they told me. So, so but that's uh, that's a picture of my family. And if you don't have grandchildren, by the way, let me just give you something to look forward to: grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children. <laughs> so, so the next time you just feel like just you just hold, hold on, because there's a better one coming along. And they are so much fun. We have them, Debbie and I have them over, and we just fill them up with sugar and send them home <laughs> to get revenge on our kids. So anyway, we, we love them. All right, if you wanna turn in your Bibles or on your app or click or whatever, we're gonna be in Exodus chapter 13. And I wanna share with you a message that I call the principle of first. And this is what I wanna to explain to you about this message. If God is first in your life, Everything can come into alignment if God is not first in your life, nothing can come into alignment. And I call this a principle because it is a principle all through scripture. We're even going to go back even to Genesis and see this principle today. But there's a principle that when this is in your life, it doesn't mean you're that. Uh, You're not gonna go through difficulties. We know we live in a fallen world. Jesus said, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. But when God's first, everything can line up in your life, all right? So let me show you this scripture in Exodus chapter 13 and we'll start talking about this principle. Exodus 13 verse one says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate, which means to set apart, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and beast, I watch these three words, it is mine. I've set it aside for me, for my purposes. And then you go down to verse 12, he says, you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb, that is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's, or shall belong to God. But every firstborn of a donkey, you shall redeem with the lamb. Now we're gonna talk about why he said, uses a donkey and a lamb in a moment. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. I just want you to notice, he's saying you're going to lose it if you don't do what I tell you to with it. And all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Okay, so I know this is real Old Testament-y, I understand that, but I'm gonna show you how it applies to us. But I have three points today. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write these down. Uh, so, here's the first one. All right, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Now, that's there's a principle here. We're going to find out. We know we're not under law. This was part of the law. We understand that. But what's the principle? That's what I want to know. Why did God say this in the first place? The firstborn belongs to God, and it must be sacrificed. Or redeem. Well, how do you know which one? How do you know whether to sacrifice it or redeem it? So that's why he talks about a donkey and a lamb. Donkeys are exemplary of unclean animals. Lambs are the example of clean animals. So here's what he's saying. If, if your unclean animal has a firstborn, you have to redeem it. That would be, be buy it back from me because it belongs to me. You have to redeem it with the sacrifice of a clean animal. And if you're a clean animal, like a sheep has a lamb, you have to sacrifice it. Now, again, I I can already tell, if I I stay too long on this, you're some of you gonna start checking your text messages. I understand that. (laughs) Because what you're thinking is, pastor, what does that have to do with me? Okay, I'm gonna tell you. So think about it again. Uh, A clean animal has to be sacrificed. An unclean animal has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Then he said, even your sons, though, need to be redeemed. Now he takes it over to people. They need to be redeemed. Okay, so clean and unclean. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Were you and I talking about our spiritual condition when we were born? Our spiritual condition. Will you say that we were born clean or unclean? Unclean, because the Bible says very clearly we were all born in sin. We were born with a sin nature. I can prove it by asking the experts here, the parents, (laughs) did you have to teach your children to be bad? Or did it come naturally for them? (laughs) And we have to teach them to be good, right? Okay, so we were all born unclean. Was Jesus born unclean? Are clean. clean, clean. Okay, listen to me, listen. The clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just said. That's why the Old Testament is important because 1 Corinthians 10 says, all of it is an example to you, all of it. So this is an example that the, the first one redeems the rest. See, we're redeemed by the sacrifice of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And he is called the firstborn among many brethren. So here it is right here. So the first belongs to God. But what I want you to know is the first is the redemptive portion, the first portion. In other words, he he didn't say, wait until your sheep has ten lambs and then give me one of them and you can give me the one that you don't like that keeps getting in your garden every week. He said, give me the first one before you even have the other nine. See, we're gonna talk a little bit about tithing in a moment. It's not just that it's 10%, it's the first 10%. Because it doesn't take faith to give the last 10%. It doesn't take faith to give the 10th lamb, it takes faith to give the first lamb. And when you give the first one according to God, the other nine are redeemed. They've been bought back. Think about even when the children of Israel went into the promised land. Here's what God said, bring all, all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Why would he say that? Simple, because Jericho was the first city. See, he, said, he didn't say, wait until you conquer 10 cities and then give me one. He said, give me the first one. And when they didn't, by the way, when they kept just a little bit of that first portion, they lost the second battle immediately. See, it's so important to understand this. Um, my, uh, you saw a picture of my uh, kids up there and my, so we have one daughter. And so Ethan, my son-in-law, great, great son-in-law. Uh, but he, got, he came to me, he got permission to, to date Lane. And I did what normal dads would do. I talked to him for a while about guidelines. I showed him my gun collection. You just normal, normal things that a father would do for a young man that wants to date his daughter. Um, Showed him the heads on the wall and what a good shot I was. But anyway, um, so after they got permission to date, they're standing around after one of our young adult services talking like a seven or eight of them in a group. And they're joking with Ethan, my future son-in-law at that time, and Elaine, my daughter, and they're joking about what's it like to date the pastor's daughter, you know? And then one of them said to my daughter, you know, I just thought of something. Your dad is so strong on tithing, I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. (laughs) And my daughter said, he does. He does. And I did. Why would I give my daughter to someone who according to scripture would steal from God? Why, why would I give my daughter to someone that can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money, he definitely can't handle my daughter because she is a handful. So, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. I'm just showing you a principle. This is a principle, all right? All right, here's the second one. The first fruits must be offered. This is a principle, again, that goes all through Scripture, because I showed you how even Exodus 13 related to Jesus himself, okay? All right, first fruits must be offered. Proverbs 3 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions. You ever seen that in the Bible? With your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase or income so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine exodus 23 verse 19 the first of the first fruits notice it's not the last the first of the first fruits of the land you shall bring into the house of the lord your god notice a couple of things it comes to the house of god secondly he says bring it he god does not use the word giving when he talks about this, the reason is you can't give what doesn't belong to you. Right. You can either leave it in your account or you can bring it to the house of the Lord. So again, this is, this is all through scripture. Remember a moment away we said how Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. You know what else he's called? The first fruit. Uh, I, you may have never thought about this, but Jesus is God's tithe. Here's why. You give the tithe first. In in other words, you don't wait till you have 10, you give the first lamb, right? You don't wait till you conquer the, the promised land, you give Jericho the first city. Okay, listen, God didn't wait to see if we would straighten up to give his son. God gave Jesus while we were mocking him and beating him and spitting on him and nailing him to a cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Yeah. So, this is a principle to It's all through scripture to give the first, firstborn, first fruits. Okay, when I was in college, I remember that one of the students said to uh, ask the question one day, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's offering? And the professor was really honest. He said, You know, I don't know. I've, I've never understood that passage. Years later, when the Lord showed me this about the firstborn and first fruits, I was just reading one day and I saw it. And you're going to see why God accepted Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's offering. Genesis four, look at verse three. And in the process of time, those words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass, it just kind of came to pass over time that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord notice it never says first fruits. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat and the Lord respected and this word actually also means received Abel at his offering but he did not respect King and his offering. Did you see it? It's clear see it's the principle of God. okay now now here's the question though well couldn't God I mean it was still an offering I mean couldn't he just have accepted it? That's really a good way to phrase it because actually no, he couldn't accept it. I'm gonna to explain to you theologically why he could not. It's not just that he would not, it's that he could not. Now the first thing before I tell you why he, that he could not, I do need to explain to you because all of us sometimes are new at church and learning things and all of us have been there. Some of you might think, what do you mean God couldn't? What, 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 you're saying God can't do something, isn't he God? God can't, God can do anything, no. God can never act outside of his character. He can't, in other words, God can never tell a lie because he is truth. He doesn't just tell truth, he is truth. So there are some things God can't do. So I just wanna share some because they're kind of funny when you think about them. Uh, One is that God can't change. He can't change. This is called the immutability of God. You've got the word mute in there like mutation would be to change. And when you say immutable, it means can't. He cannot change. Okay. The reason God can't change is because if God could change, he could get better. And God can't get better because he's best. See, He's already best. So he can't change. So here's another one again. I just, I like to, again, it's just humorous to me when I think about it this way. God can't think the way we think. He can't. Now what the theological word for this is omniscience. Omni means all, and then if you look at it when spelled, the other word is science, omniscience, and it's spelled science. The word science means knowledge. To say God is omniscient means that God has all knowledge. So so God knows everything at the same time, by the way. You think about that this week for a little while and you'll trip a breaker. Okay. God knows everything at the same time. Okay. The reason God can't think the way we think is because when we think, we're trying to figure something out. God's not trying to figure anything out. Okay, let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, You know what I just thought of? (laughs) I just thought of something guys, I've never thought of before. And even the scripture that talks about his thoughts confirms this theology and this is theology 101. Here's what the scripture says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than thoughts, my thoughts are above your thoughts. So there's some things God can't do. He can't think like we think because he already knows everything. He can't change because he's already perfect. Okay, let me tell you something else that God can't do. God can never, this is is going back to Cain and Abel now, why God could not accept Cain's offering, but he could accept Abel's. God can never be second, he can't. This is called, theologically, it's called the preeminence of God. He's higher than all, he's before all, he's above all, he's first of all. Now, even as pastors, we'll say, put God first in your life. And it's, it's, it's a, you know, a nomenclature to try to get us to understand it. But please hear me. I want you to put God first in your life. But even if you don't, he's still first. Right. You, you didn't rearrange the cosmos, you know. God can never be second. So Abel brings a first offering. God says, yeah, thank you so much, I can accept that. Cain brings an offering in the process of time In other words, Cain gave what he wanted when he wanted. God said, no, I can't accept that. So you have to understand that God accepts the first. As a matter of fact, he backs this up in other places. He actually says to Israel in one place, you're you're bringing me animals that are blind and lame and maimed. And then he says it straight out. I do not accept these. I only accept the first. Okay. so. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Secondly, as the first fruits must be offered, here's number three. The tithe must be first. It must be. It's the first 10%, not the last 10%. And the word tithe comes from a Hebrew word. It means a tenth. The 10%, okay? But here's why it must be first, because it belongs to God and He's always first. Let me show you the scripture, Leviticus 27:30. And all the tithe of the land. I don't know if y'all know, but the Hebrew word all means all. Okay, so (laughs) all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It belongs to God. It is holy or set apart to the Lord, okay? All right, so um, in order to kind of say, how does this work out? I'm gonna to have to give you an illustration. And in order to describe this illustration to you, I'm gonna to have to use a word that to some of you is a bad word, okay? To some of you, it's a curse word. Just please forgive me, okay? But I'm gonna to have to give an illustration that uses math. <laughs> some of you just had chills go up your spine, you know? Okay, uh, math is one of those things that's easy for me. I was born with it, I understand. My father is a mathematical genius. Proven, he's a mathematical genius. I'm not a mathematical genius, apparently it skips a generation, but <laughs> numbers add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. My wife, does. she's one of those that does not like the word math. She does not like it at all. She hates it, as a matter of fact. Um, and one uh, no time we were buying something It was $7.99. And the person said, "Um, I'm going to have to figure up the tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I said, it's 66 cents. Just like that. That that quickly. It's 66 cents. And uh, she looked at me for a moment and she did her look. It's 66 cents. (laughs) I said, okay. So we get out in the car and Debbie says to me, how do you do that? Okay, so... I thought that she was actually asking me (laughs) how I did it. She said, how do you do that? She she really didn't mean, how do you do that? She doesn't care how I do it. She was just complimenting me. but She said, how do you do that? So I told her. It was a mistake. But I said to her, well, sugar, 799 is close to eight. Our tax rate's 8.25, eight times eight is 64, quarter of eight is two, 64 plus two is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said to me, it doesn't. And then she said, but I know what 25% off means. (laughs) Okay. I'm so dense, I thought we were still talking math. (laughs) So I said to her, okay, I thought I'd check her math, you know, okay. So if you're buying something and it's $100, and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said, that means it's a good deal. (laughs) And then she said, And if it's 50% off, it's free. (laughs) What? And then she goes like this, like I'm the one that doesn't understand math. She said, Robert, everybody knows if it's 50% off, it's the same thing as buy one, Get one free. So if it's 50% off, it's free. And then she said, and it's 75% off, you're making money. Which explains some difficulties we've had in our checkbook over the years when she was saving us money. So, okay, so... So I'm going to give you a math illustration, but it won't take long. For those of you that are like my wife and you hate math, that's okay, all right? Because she's great in other areas, you're great in other areas. Math just to we one wanted. But we've got to talk for a minute, just a little bit of math illustration, all right? So let's say, how do you figure out the tithe, okay? So uh, let's say that you have a landscape business and you come over to my house and I say, you know, we'd like some flowers and some bushes and some, you know, uh, whatever you know, landscaping is. And so, uh, so you, you give me the um, estimate, you say, okay, this is how much the, uh, my materials will cost, this is how much my labor is, and my profit will be $1,000. Is, is that agreeable to you? I say it's agreeable. So I pay all your, the reason I'm saying this is you only tithe on your profit, you tithe on your increase is what the Bible says. So we pay all the expenses, and then for your profit, I give you 10 $100 bills, okay? So you have $1,000 in your hand, 10 $100 bills. So here's the math. I'm almost finished. How much is the tithe? $100. That's amazing. Half of your, okay, carry the one. that's, That's okay. That's okay. Again, you're good at things I'm not good at. I understand that, okay? All right, but, so it's $100, but you have 10 $100 bills in your hand. So which one of those is the tithe? The first, right. So you're listening, that's great, okay. But how do you know which one's the first? Listen, I'm gonna help you. It's the first one that leaves your hand. Listen, if you go home and say, I'm gonna put aside some for the mortgage, some for utilities, some for clothing, some for food, and here's God's part. That's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company, and the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. Only God does. It's very important. The first 10%, every time I get paid, that comes out of my account, goes to the church. It's the first 10%. I've had people who've heard me preach this, and they've, started, they've, they, and they've actually tithed for years. And they said, we never thought about it being the first. And they changed the way they did it. And I've had them, when I go back to the church years later, say to me, that changed everything. I had to listen to this on the way here. You're going to verify this, Debbie. So on the way here, this guy stops me and says, "When I read your book on this, I started tithing. That week, I got a job making six times what I was making. Now that's pretty good. If you know, some of you again math that means nothing to you, but for the it means a lot more money." you can buy a lot more good deal things okay (laughs) but is that true did that guy tell me because they're trying to teach me how to use social media have y'all heard of social media i'm just now learning about okay but but she said to me you should have taken a video of that and just you know said you know this happened and and give glory to the lord for this what happened this guy's life okay so so here's the way it works for me, okay? I get paid on the 15th and the last day of the month. Normally the 30th could be the 31st, February 28th, you know, leap year 29, uh, never mind numbers, I'm sorry. So, so I get paid on the 15th and the last day of the month. Here's what I do. During my quiet time, I go online and I immediately send the tithe to the church. Now. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say something because the Lord has told me, you say this, so I'm not bragging on Debbie and me. I'm telling you, this is something we started doing in 1983 tithing, maybe 82, I got saved in 81. It was 82 when we started tithing. It took a little while for me to understand it. But in 85, we started double tithing. Now, again, I'm not saying that to brag, I'm just telling you it's something that I'm supposed to say when I preach this because some of you are called to do that. Not all of you, but some of you are. So since 1985, 20% goes to the local church of our income, okay? So, but I do it, it's the first thing I do. It's the first money that leaves my account. Here's what I want you to know though. I am not legalistic about it and God is not legalistic. God is not legalistic. He's a relationship God. Matter of fact, the 10 commandments are all about relationship. (laughs) He's teaching you how to have a relationship with him and others. That's what he's teaching through the 10 commandments. Okay, so anyway, But what happens if one morning, I have an early morning flight or an early morning meeting and I don't even have my quiet time that day and I run out and then I get home that night and I think, oh, it's 15th, I got paid today. And I go online and I notice that Debbie went to the grocery store that day. I don't say to her, oh, that's great sugar, we're cursed. (laughs) Okay, I'm not legalistic about it and God's not legalistic about it. And some of you have been tithing for years, you say, I never thought about doing it first. Listen, that's great. I'm I'm talking about your heart. That's what this message is about. I'm asking you in your heart is God first. And the reason I'm saying I'm talking about your heart is because Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we put God first. Let me tell you one more thing how this worked out in my own life. If you go back there to Exodus 13, we stopped at verse 13, look at verse 14. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come saying, what is this? In other words, why are you sacrificing in the firstborn? One day your son's going to come ask you. Here's the answer. You shall say to him by strength of hand. When I memorize this of her time, it was by, by, by a mighty hand, by the mighty hand of the Lord. The Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beasts. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, so here, here's what he's saying. He's saying, one day your son's gonna come and ask you why you're sacrificing these animals. And this is what you do. So think about this, all right? Think about... Um, the little boy comes running in and he says, mom, dad, the sheep is having her first lamb. It's the first lamb for this sheep. And so everybody gets up to go out to the barn and the dad grabs the butcher knife on the way. And here's this little lamb that's born and everybody's standing around and they say, Oh, look at the little lamb. Oh, look, he's standing up, he's standing up. And then the dad in front of the family grabs this lamb by the hind legs and cuts its throat. And this little boy's sitting there watching that. Now, you know what he's thinking, don't you? He's thinking, I don't know what that lamb did, but I'm never gonna do that. (laughs) And he grows up, and every time one of their animals has a firstborn, the dad kills it. And then he goes to college, comes home, and his dad says, son, uh, why don't you start helping with me with the books? You know, you, you're, you're, you took all those classes, did so great. So the son's going over the books. So one day the dad comes in and the son says, hey, dad, um, hey, sit down. I, I want to ask you a question, dad. Um, you don't have that knife with you, do you? Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. Anyway, um, I was going over the books and um, dad, all of us have faults. All of us have blind spots, Okay. You sure you don't have that knife? Okay, all right. Um, so anyway, um, I'm just noticing that every time one of our animals has a, a, a firstborn, how shall I say this? You, um, you kill it. And um, I was just, I just uh, Dad, um, according to the books, you killed 73 animals last year. And uh, we're, we're in the ranching business, Dad. And so I'm just wondering, why do you do this? and the lord told the dad what to say when he asked he said here's what you do you take that son and you say to him son let me tell you something that you don't know about our family Uh, we weren't always in the ranching business We, we didn't have any animals we didn't have any land son son we were in bondage but god with a mighty hand redeemed us and gave us everything that you see. Therefore, we gladly give the firstborn back to God. Okay, so this was written about 3,500 years ago. So one day, uh, years ago, I don't, when before you could bank online, I would, when I'd sit down to pay the bills, the first check I would write would be the tithe check. Okay, I know I lost some of you. For you younger folks, we used to have pieces of paper (laughs) called checks. Before that, we traded rocks for food. So, okay, all right, but, so I would write the tithe check first, always first, once the Lord showed me this, and then I'd settle over to the side. And then on the weekend, I'd take it to church. And then I'd pay the rest of the bills. And so, my son, who understands numbers, like I understand numbers, Comes in one day, my oldest son, he comes in and he sees this check to the church and he realizes it's a lot of money. It's more than a quarter that you give in the children's offering, you know. And he says to me, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered this scripture. And I took my son and I put him on my lap and I said to him, Son, there's something about daddy that that you don't know. But daddy wasn't always a Christian. And daddy used to be a very, very bad man. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed your daddy. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of my income. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Every, every campus, every location. I, I, the reason I'm asking you to do this is just so you can just have a moment with God. God wants to speak to each of us every time we get together at church every time we hear the word preached every time we worship him god wants to speak and say this is how this applies to you so would you just take a moment and say holy spirit what are you saying to me through this message just ask him and you might hear something right now in your heart just an impression from god Or the Lord might answer you one day this week when you're having that prayer time at the first of your day or at the end of your day, however you have that time where you just spend a little time alone with God every day. But just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me through this message? And just let the Lord speak to you. Holy Spirit, I wanna tell you, thank you, thank you, thank you for revealing this truth to us that when we put you first, everything else can come into order. And I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I pray for me and for my family too, that we will always keep you first. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.